You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, uh, Joe Gavallis with the uh, Safe Senior Hour. I hope all is well in your life. And uh, uh, today we're very honored to have as a guest uh, our, the State of Georgia long-term care ombudsman, uh, Melanie McNeil. Uh, Melanie, welcome back. Thanks, Joe. Um, as uh, our listeners know, we in one of our uh, other shows, we had the um, uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution report, investigative reporter on talking about what they found uh, concerning um, housing for seniors, dealing with different different uh, situations in their lives. And, and, and if you remember that, a large part of that conversation was the investigative reporter talked about that you all had a uh, had a true friend in the ombudsman program, so we just wanted to, to go over this. I know Melanie's been on with some of her colleagues from Virginia yep. and Ohio, and uh, um, Melanie, if you could just give us an overview of the ombuds ombudsman's program for the uh, um, not only for Georgia but for the country. Right. So every state has a long term care ombudsman program. Some states staff it differently, but in in every state, advocates, ombudsman representatives are advocates for residents, and they visit long-term care facilities regularly to be available for residents and family members who will call or who will say, while the ombudsman representative is on a visit, I've got something that's troubling me. It can be something as simple as I don't like the time they tell me I need to go to bed or the time I have to wake up to really serious things, including, you know, my caregivers hurt me or they're rough with me or they disrespect me. So it can be, I mean, every issue is one we would investigate and try to resolve, but some of them are very serious. And this is a, a, a service available across the country. It's free of charge. It's financed through federal funds. And in some states, like in Georgia, we're very fortunate that we also get state funds wow. to support our program. Ombudsman representatives must get permission from the resident in order to take any action. So if a family member calls and says that a, a resident, their loved one, has a problem, We still have to go and talk to the resident. If the resident can tell us, and not all residents can, those with dementia or with other disabilities may not be able to communicate with us, but to the extent they can, we then must take action with the resident's permission and at the resident's direction. So our ombudsman representatives are pretty creative about trying to, you know, resolve problems And so we might suggest to a resident uh, one course of action. Maybe the resident doesn't like that one. So we'll think, well, you know, is there another way we might approach this problem? What we also do is try to encourage residents and families to advocate for themselves because we want them to feel empowered. But that's not always the way it is for residents. And sometimes residents won't give us permission because they're very intimidated by the facility staff and the caregivers. And so what our ombudsman representatives do across the country is try to spend a little more time with that resident, come back uh, time after time to build rapport, to build trust, and to and to let the resident know that we can take action on their behalf without them being harmed in most instances. Now, of course, we can't guarantee right. everything, and no one can. But 
I think that's the benefit of the program is that we are there to act as the voice for individuals. And all this started during Richard Nixon's administration. He was very concerned back in the early 70s about the conditions for people in long-term care. And so the program has been around quite a while, and we've learned a lot over the years. I think we do a pretty good job of... Well, I I think certainly... um, um you are a voice that uh, that people listen to, uh, both in, in the federal government, state government, uh, and you are a voice or an ear that that the patients and their families can speak to confidentially, which I think is great. Um, could you go over just a, a few things? Go over the the progression or the types of housing or care that that a, that a senior might you know, move from one to another, and the ones that are normally covered by by your program? Sure. So one thing we often do when families call and ask about possibilities for a loved one who needs extra help is to call the Aging and Disability Resource Connection, and every state has that as well. They, they go by different names, but it's a service that provides counseling options, counseling for families mm-hmm. and individuals as they're trying to decide. So you might be able to pay for someone to come into your home. You might not need 24-hour care, and so that might be affordable. You might need 24-hour care, and maybe you can afford that. If you can't, then you might want to move into a board and care home. That's how the federal law describes it. Here in Georgia, we call those personal care homes. They're places that help you with activities of daily living, bathing, dressing, grooming, some assistance with medications, And then from there, in other states, as in Georgia, other states may have what we have here, which we call assisted living. It's a licensing category. And that allows the facility to provide a little bit more service. Not like a nursing home. It's not 24-hour medical care, and it's not significant medical intervention. But, you know, some people need a little bit more assistance with their medications, for example. And so they might move to assisted living. In Georgia, that's all private pay, so you have to be able to afford it. And then there's nursing home, which has 24 hours a day medical assistance available. It doesn't mean that a loved one in a nursing home has supervision 24 hours a day, individual supervision, or that they see medical folks 24 hours a day. But it's available 24 hours a day. And most people need some assistance. They might need wound care. They might need physical therapy. They might need assistance with eating more than just, you know, the delivery of a tray, but actual assistance with eating. Those kinds of activities that really require more training. People who live in nursing homes who get dietary assistance often have issues with swallowing, for example. So they need someone there who can you know, kind of monitor what's going on and intervene if there's an issue. On the nursing home situation, um, I I think for Georgia, I think we have, I think, what's the number? I think it's, I want to say, either 600 or 800 nursing homes. No, it's uh, 370, I want to say. 370 nursing homes. Okay, well, how many are are privately run versus government? I, I heard that figure. It was only like 15. In fact, it was, came out. There were 15 that were privately run, and the rest were all had government rules and regulations overseeing them. That they're, they're, 
And that's a big difference because we've already talked about private pay upon right. the assistant living right. versus governmental funds. Right. Well, and I mean, it seems to me that even 15 private nursing homes, that seems high. I don't think there are quite that many. They are usually connected to uh, continuing care retirement community. Okay. They are still licensed as a nursing home, so they have to meet the nursing home, uh, statewide nursing home requirements. But if they don't get Medicare or Medicaid funds, then they don't participate in that program with CMS. But the majority of facilities are right. participating. The vast majority all over the United States right. are under that under the the laws and regulations of what's the federal agency? So it's the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which is under the Dep- Health- Department of Health and Human Services, right? Okay. So I'm sitting in Boise, Idaho, or up in in uh, you know um, Holden, Maine. We can we can we can definitely go to um, the state. Call the state ombud. Is that is yes? That, is that what you're suggesting? Right, right. So every state has an office of the state long-term care ombudsman. They're probably located in the capital. If you go to the National Ombudsman Resource Center, NORC is the acronym, but the National Ombudsman Resource Center, they have a map of the entire country. You can click on the state, and it will take you to the ombudsman that's available to answer your questions and identify someone who can assist. You might be, like, here in Atlanta. Our office is in Atlanta. But if you're in Hira, for example, we still have an ombudsman representative that will come and serve your loved one if they're in a long-term care facility there. So if you could just just follow through. I've got my parents, let's say my parents or my my father is in a long-term, is in either assisted living. You... You work in assisted living here in Georgia and nursing homes? Yes. What about personal care homes? Yes. Okay, so all these, the ones that we talk about, the option, other than at home, per se, because if it's at home, it would probably be adult protective if you're at home. If you have an issue, yes, you would probably reach out to adult protective services, and that would be, in in all states, you would do that, too. The Ombudsman Authority is in what the Older Americans Act describes as board and care homes, but every state has the equivalent of what we have, right. what we have which is personal care, assisted living, and then nursing homes. So I, I, I have somebody, like my father or relative there, and um, I want to make a complaint that um, I don't think I'm getting the care or the medicine that he needs. He tells me that. Just give the process... Is how how do I as a as a family member how do I call you? Is there do you have postings? Do you have I just have to know about the ombudsman program, or is there any requirements for posting notification in these institutions? Yes, there are requirements, and that's also through the Older Americans Act. So, long term care facilities must post a poster about how to get in touch with the ombudsman program. They should also have an abuse reporting poster as well. At least here in Georgia, they're required to have an abuse reporting poster. That's a reminder both to individuals who come into the facility, but also the staff. If they encounter abuse, they need to report it. And most everybody who works in a facility is a mandated reporter in Georgia. I don't know whether that's true in every state, but I imagine in a lot of states that's also a requirement. Uh, particularly if they're in a nursing home, it's a requirement. Well, does your the 
So I'm here and I and I've got this concern about not getting the the medicine uh, or medication. I guess is the proper term. Um, so do I just call this number and then what happens? I'm trying to give the the listeners a, a, an idea of, of what takes place when all the, once they start this. Sure. So if a family member were to call and say their loved one is in a facility and they're not getting their medications as they should, we would take that as a complaint. We would get details. And that would be by over the phone? Well, it can be over the phone. It Actually, we have a website, georgiaombudsman.org. You can put a complaint there anonymously, or you can give us your information. It's confidential. We're the only ones who see that information. You can fax. I mean, that's sort of old school technology, but you can still fax a complaint to us. You can email. People are using email more, although for us, we kind of discourage that because email isn't really secure, and so your loved one's information kind of gets, could get out there. Uh, We keep all of that confidential. But regardless of how we've gotten the complaint, the concern, we would just... I'm just saying how the the person has many ways to get the information to you. Yes, they do. They do. And I get calls all the time as the state ombudsman from individuals who don't realize they can get somebody locally, and so they'll call me and I'll tell them, okay, so here's the ombudsman representative and here's the phone number. I can have them call you or you can call them. I think most state ombudsmen have a similar situation that that number might be more readily available than... Then, then more readily available than than, than the local number. The local number. Right. Well, listen, we're going to take our first uh, um, uh, segment break here, uh, but we will be back shortly, and we'll go into more details on the complaint and how and what you do with it. So, with that, that ends the first segment of the Safe Senior Hour. Happy holidays. I'm Patty Levan, owner of Multiland Mortgage Services, Inc. Call us for details about our conventional loans with as little as 3% down or talk to us about our FHA, VA, and USDA loan options. We answer your questions with honesty and integrity because that's how we roll. Multiland Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilandmortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers, NMLS 158-989, licensed Georgia and Florida. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business practices, and fascinating business professionals to get an insider view of how America works. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome back uh, to the Safe Senior Hour with Joe Gavallis. And uh, today we have an uh, honor to have a guest, Melanie McNeil, the state long-term care ombudsman. Welcome back, Melanie. Thanks, you. And uh, 
uh, just the background on Melanie that you do have a law degree and that you both you've both both been in government and out of government so you've seen both sides you're as as they say you're just not, you, you just haven't been a bureaucrat your whole life that's true I have not <laughs> so w- what we were talking about in, in the pri- previous segment which is important being a a a um, citizen out here who has a relative in one of the one of these cares whether it's a as you say a board and board and care care or what's otherwise personal care home or an assistant living or a nursing home and something and we took for the example um my relative says they're not getting the medication they need and nobody will listen to them that's usually something like that because i've heard that when we talk to seniors And just again, if you could just uh, go over the ways that you all get the initial complaint. So, Joe, we have a website, www.georgiaombudsman.org. People can go to our website and they can send a complaint to us confidentially. We keep that confidential. I'm not sure whether that's available in every state, but for your listeners who are not in Georgia, you Mm -hmm. might check and see whether your state office of the long-term care ombudsman has something similar to that we also take calls over the phone we get lots of calls over the phone you can fax a complaint to us as i mentioned sometimes people will email by caution for all of the listeners if you want to send information by email don't put the specifics about your loved one you could say i have a relative and they're at this certain facility and we need some help and then someone will respond whether it comes to me through email or our local ombudsman representative that's just good basic information all don't do not send personal information over the internet period right right we would not want that to get compromised and so but when a complaint comes in then we figure out what area of the state is being served by the ombudsman representatives. This is true in every state across the country and try and figure out who is the ombudsman representative. They then will contact the person who's complaining, if we have the contact information, just to find out a little bit more about it. And in each instance, even if the love, uh, even if the complainant says their loved one can't speak or can't respond, we still go out and talk because we want to be sure that's accurate. And if the resident can tell us what they want and whether they're concerned about the same thing, same thing that their uh, the complaining party is, we take our direction from the resident if they can direct okay let's stop there for a minute because i've had people tell me and as you know the north georgia elder abuse task force that we've spoken over three thousand seniors and you get and people come up to you after the meetings and and talk to you are we not i mean their question to me would have has been and and are we not when we file a complaint to the ombudsman and all of a sudden the ombudsman shows up in the room are we not targeting our, our, the patient that something's wrong? Or do you routinely go through these, these facilities and talk to people? I, we do. Say, yeah. We do. So when our ombudsman representatives make a routine visit, they'll talk to a number of people. When they go on a complaint, they'll still talk to a number of people. That's great. Because they don't want that person who is the subject of the inquiry to be singled out then. Right. So even if it's a pretty serious allegation and we want to get out there right away, and maybe we've even been out there the week before, 
will still go and talk not just to that one resident who's the subject of the investigation, but will talk with others for that very reason. Great. Residents are often concerned about retaliation. They are. And rightfully so. You know, we can't protect them because we're not there 24 hours a day either. But we do protect their confidentiality. And the same with the complainant. So if it's a if it's a family member who's called to complain about a resident in the nursing home, we'll ask that complainant, is it okay if we identify to the resident that you brought this issue? If they say no, we're still going to go talk to the resident about the problem. Right. Usually a family member will say, of course you can tell them. Sure. From the resident's point of view, we ask the resident, may we report back to your family member who made the complaint? Sometimes residents don't want that. And so then we'll just tell the the complainant, we took some action based on your complaint. We're not at liberty to tell you the details. Because as happens, and you know this, talking with seniors, their children, for example, might not get along. So one huh. child will say something to, the, uh, to us about the care of the resident, and the resident will say, you know... My child is upset about something else. I don't want you to take action on that. That isn't an issue for me. So that's why we are the always person-centered. We want to talk to the resident first. Sometimes residents can't tell us anything. Their, their dementia is too severe or... Or maybe they're just not even, you know, they may be in a coma. We don't know. Right, you know, right, we don't know. Right. But uh, we do what we can then to investigate the case, trying to be sure that we're as mindful of what the resident might have wanted or also being mindful that we don't want to somehow make things worse for that resident who can't really see what's going on. Nonetheless, we try to resolve the complaint to the resident's satisfaction if we can. So uh, if it's something, I mean, like that medication, and they say, sure, help us, whatever you can do, Is it? do you interact then with the facility owners or you deal with the facility employees can you go directly to the employees or do you have a protocol that when you're in these you can only go to the manager or is how does that work no so depending on the type of facility so if we're in a personal care home for example we might go to the owner because the owner may be very involved in what's going on Typically, we would go to whoever the manager is of that facility, of that personal care home, and say, you know, show us your medication records. We've had a complaint that, you know, there's an issue. Of course, we have to have permission from the resident in order to look at their records. But we would ask then, you know, show us your records. We have a concern that the medication isn't being given as it should. And I think the point here is is even, even if you don't get permission, at least you're getting this thought of something wrong from the patient's point of view or or the the loved ones or the children you you you're interacting with somebody else you're just not holding it in and and i think that's important i think that 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 would put you all in kind of a special category of your you wear a lot of hats but the main hat is that that you you can be the sounding board for the patient and their loved ones for a better term well and just i don't want to leave your listeners thinking that we would just walk away then so what happens if a resident says to us yes i have a problem with my medications but i don't want you to take any action i'm worried about what will happen i don't want you to do anything 
we don't just leave then. We'll talk to other residents and ask them, you know, tell me about how, tell me about how the services are here. And then tell me about the medication. And if someone else says, yeah, you know, they don't give us our medication on time or they run out a lot and it takes days to get it or whatever, we would ask that resident, can we take some action on your behalf? If they say no, we'll talk to some other residents and see. If they won't, we might just come back more frequently and talk with the facility about, you know, so, you know, tell us about your medications. We might even come at a time when we think medications should be dispensed. And see, you know, does it seem like they're doing it correctly? Well, as as we we constantly uh, uh, say on the show and tell everybody, you know, get it in the hands of the professionals. And this is the quickest, easiest way at no cost, correct? Right, exactly, no cost. It's no cost. And that you, by the federal statute or state statute, have the ability to go into these places. What is that? Where, Where do you get your authority to go in? We have, we have authority in federal law to go into both nursing homes and what are described right. as board and care, so personal care homes for us. Personal care homes and assisted living, what they have to do is governed by state law, not federal law. But our authority comes from the federal law, right. and we do have authority in all those places. So, And this is everywhere across the country. Every ombudsman program has authority to go into those. Some states call it family care. They have different names, but essentially board and care. Well, let me ask you, and a situation has come up on on some of our listeners. I'm living in Wisconsin, and I have a um, loved one in a a care in either, well, say Georgia, but it could be Florida, it could be Arizona, it could be Texas. Can, Can... I make the call from Wisconsin yes. to you all. And is that unusual, or do you see that? Okay. No. Well, um, I think the majority of our calls probably come from family members who live within the state. state right. But anyone can call our program. Now, we don't have authority in other states, but if if the family no. member lives in Texas, we, as long as their loved one lives in a long-term care facility in Georgia, yes, we can interact with them to try and resolve that whatever the situation may be that's that's right that what the point would be that the person the, the ombudsman or people in in wisconsin are not going to be able to help you it's only people in the state where they reside yes. your the the, the the long-term care resident lives. right right, right where right. they live and then that can be done by the, again telephone the eight Yes. And you, like, for example, could you have, do you know your 800 number for Sure. For so Georgia? for Georgia, yeah, it's um, 866-552-4464. And then you just have to wait for the option. I think it's option five for the long-term care ombudsman program. I feel confident that every state has got something similar so that you can then get to the ombudsman program. And, and, and all this is to help help you all. When you hear of something, or your relative, or you just visited, you came here, or are coming here for the holidays, you'll be seeing things. If they, they, if they, if it causes you a problem, please call, because the care of your loved ones is so important, and and we can't stress that enough. It doesn't do any good you going back and just complaining. Oh, if I only would have called, or who should I call? We're telling you who to call. Right, exactly. And every facility has to have a poster, and it's supposed to be in a in a public place. Very often, they're near the nurses' stations in skilled nursing. In personal care homes and assisted living, 
It depends on the size of the building, where you might find the poster, but they all have posters so that you know how to get a hold of folks. That's the the concern I have most is when a family member calls and says, you know, my loved one was in a facility and they died and I didn't know about your program. Oh. And and the problem is, and, and we know this as humans, we're, we're thinking about our loved one. We're not necessarily looking all around the facility for for posters and things. So for your listeners, when you have a, a loved one in a long-term care facility, think about when you go in looking for that poster so you'll know who to call, what the number is. Quite honestly, you know, there are plenty of people who live in long-term care who don't have issues. But when you think about it, you're living in a place that isn't your home that you've had for years and years. You're living with lots of people you don't know. There's a pretty good chance there's going to be an issue. And so good to know that the ombudsman is there for you. That's right. And that's why this is important. And we want to thank you again, Melanie, for here. We're going to go into our our third segment. We'll end this segment now, and we'll be back shortly. morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org Season's greetings. I'm Patty LeVan, owner of Multiline Mortgage Services, Inc. Let's talk about reverse mortgages for seniors 62 and older. Reverse mortgages were designed to free up money that seniors can use at their discretion in retirement. Let us help you determine if this program is right for you. We'll help you choose the right lender and walk you through the loan process. Multiline Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilinemortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers. NMLS 158989, licensed in Georgia and Florida. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the uh, Safe Senior Hour with Joe Gavallis. Uh, today, we're very honored to have Melanie McNeil, the uh, State of Georgia Long-Term Care Ombudsman. Thank you, Melanie. Melanie's been a guest before, and we're just following up with uh, some issues that, um, that have uh, uh, callers or uh, people we've discussed, seniors, some issues that they've had. And we've been through their scope of, of how they get their jurisdiction and that long-term ombudsmen are in every state, correct? Correct, yes. And i be honest with you, I don't know. Are they in other countries? I don't know whether you're – I'm not I, – I, I wouldn't know. I have never looked it up. I'm right. Well, it's so interesting you should ask that because the country of Taiwan is just – they've had a pilot program with long-term care ombudsmen really? for a while, and they invited uh, some – folks from the United States to come over and talk about how the program works. 
I don't know whether every country has a long-term care ombudsman program, but that one in particular, we know they are working to develop better advocacy for people who live in long-term right. care. Right, so it'd be, it'd be worth looking in your other countries. This, As you know, this show goes all across the world, and the United States, particularly the United States, but all over the world. Right. So check your uh, check with your own country and see what you have, your laws, or something similar to this. Right. Um, we were we were discussing in the uh, in the previous segment uh, just about if a complaint, and I gave the hypothetical that my my loved one in a, in a long term care facility uh, wasn't receiving uh, the proper medication. You addressed it, but could you go through? Um, when the complaint when complaints come in, how you record it, and then just some real time, real life, ex, you know, types of complaints. Examples, sure. Yeah, examples. Right. So our ombudsman representatives put in information about the complaint into a data system. Every state has some kind of a data system. For us, the ombudsman puts in the type of complaint what category it is, what the details were, when they visited, who they talked to over the phone. So so I at the state office, and, and we do this regularly, we can go in and look at the data and see the actual details of the complaint and what happened. Frequently, we resolve the complaints to the resident's satisfaction. It's not always possible. Sure. You know, it doesn't always happen right. that way. And then we are able to analyze the kinds of complaints we're getting, we can look for trends. Our number one complaint, I think for as long as I've been the state ombudsman, that's nine years, is involuntary discharge. This is in nursing homes in particular. And often what happens is family members have control of the money and they don't pay. And and nursing homes can't operate if they don't get paid. No long-term care facility can stay in business if no they business don't get can. paid. No business can. Right, exactly, exactly. And so uh, frequently we're able to help resolve that. And we have partners, including the Georgia Senior Legal Hotline and also Georgia Legal Services, who can assist when a person is being involuntarily evicted. And we get some complaints about abuse, for example, Joe. We don't get that many. I, I have a feeling that the reason we don't is people are afraid to report that just like in the community sure they're afraid to report about abuse so i don't think our numbers are really indicative of what happens in facilities well, i, I want to go back to the involuntary discharge because i've heard that and 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 read about it uh so there's a like a contract when you go into a long yes. term yes. so and you agree because usually in a nursing home, you're also paid by federal funds, correct? Partially. Well, how does that work? Right. So, people often go into a nursing home because they've had an accident, they've broken a hip or something. Right. They've gone to the hospital, they've been in the hospital for a few days, and then they come to the nursing home. And Medicare then pays in full for the first 20 days. Okay. Lots of people think Medicare pays for it all. They don't. And once that 20 hmm. days is up, the copay is pretty high. For a lot of residents in long-term care, they then have to turn to Medicaid because they can't afford to pay. Right. And so, But that's in nursing homes. So there is federal money frequently in, in well, nursing homes. Well, let's stick homes. by there on the, on the involuntary discharge. Mm-hmm. Does that take place a lot in these nursing homes? It does. And, and wow. the reason for that, hmm. when, when Medicaid 
helps to pay for your stay, you have to pay over whatever your income is, minus a few things. It's called a patient liability. Right. And so, Joe, if you made $200 a month, you would have to pay a certain amount of your 200 If I make $1,000 a month, I have to pay almost all of that $1,000, except for a few things. So it d- depends on what your income is. And what happens is the families get a hold of your check, and they don't pay the patient liability. And okay. so the nursing home can then evict the resident. What we also see a, a, kind of a lot is wow. residents being discharged because their care is difficult. They might have they they might express themselves through behaviors that aren't what we ordinarily would. Their dementia has advanced and so they're not able to just say to their caregiver, you know what, I don't feel good today. They're not able to sort of articulate that so they might strike out or they might do other things. And rather than do care planning around that, the facility just decides to uh, evict them. So evict them, do they they have like a 30-day notice to evict them? So you all would get in, the complaint would be... Right, the complaint that would be that the resident is being discharged right, involuntarily. Within 30 days. Yes. Rare, I mean, it's not, they're already, when they discharge them, they send them back to their home? How does that, where, where do they send them? It depends. You know, wow. in some states, it, it's a bigger problem. I mean, not that it is a problem in Georgia, but it's even a bigger problem in some states where a facility will just um, discharge a resident to a homeless shelter. To wow. a to a hotel Sad. room, yes, it's it's a, it's a problem. So, but what we do, and this is true across the country, when we get those notices of involuntary discharge, right. we try and talk to the resident right right away. Right. Do you want to leave? And if they don't, then we take steps to appeal that discharge. Often a facility doesn't have a good plan, doesn't have the right place for a person to go, and right. not a safe. Um, uh, plan for discharge, and so then we're able to get some time for the resident. And, and this, these involuntary discharges can take place. Let's go over those places that that that, that seniors could be in um, board and care, which are known as personal care homes, right? Assisted living, yes, and um, nursing, nursing homes. homes. Those are basically right. the areas. Okay. Yeah, but each of those. E- each of those settings has some kind of an admission agreement. And right. in that admission agreement, it says under what circumstances a resident may be discharged or that a resident might leave. You know, it's governed essentially by those contracts. There's more protection if you're in a nursing home because of federal regulations than in personal care homes and in assisted living communities. As you said, personal care homes are private pay. And I think um, unless uh, a senior has been um, been covered by a conservatorship or guardianship, they have the right for self-determination. Isn't that correct? They do. Okay. Right. They have the right to determine where they live. And so, you know, a resident may decide that they don't want to stay in the nursing home anymore. They want to go to a different nursing home or they want to go back home. We would try, so the ombudsman program would try to assist that resident. Even if that resident needs a lot of care, we would... Uh, refer them to options counselors, for example, to see if there's a way for them to live safely back at home or if there are some other alternatives. Sometimes residents in, in nursing homes do get better. Right. M- many times they don't, but especially if you've had a fall or you've had some major illness and you're in the nursing home for rehab, you may have a good reason to hope that you'll be able to get back to your own home or to a less 
medical setting than right. a nursing home. And, and I think we've had um, a various guests on uh, before, and I think talking to you, but I know talking to the uh, to the uh, regional commission people that there is a program that there are some there was federal or I don't know federal funds anymore, but certainly state funds and. Georgia to help people to get out of these facilities to go back home. Right. Are, are you familiar with yes. that? That's one of the options. Right. Which, by the way, I think everybody would rather be at home. <laughs> right. I think most people would. And so there's yeah. been a federal program called Money Follows the Person. Right. And that's federal funds. In the state of Georgia, we also got some funds that we describe as nursing home transition. And that's for individuals who want to get out of the nursing home. They want to go somewhere else and they need some assistance in a rent department or just getting set up because, you know, all the things they had before they went into the nursing home got sold off or, you know, whatever happens, they don't have what they need. And so uh, some other states may have a similar program. We're fortunate in Georgia that we the lawmakers gave some state money for us to be able to do that. It was that. like to go back to home, maybe put a ramp in or do something yes. else. You know, yes. better facilities in the bathroom, more grips right. and things like that. Right. Uh, the, the question when people leave and want to go, and we hear a lot of people are in hospices mm-hmm. or memory care units, they're no longer in a nursing home or whatever. Is that are they covered by by your statutes? About not your statute, by your jurisdiction. Our we don't have authority in the kinds of hospices where a person goes to live at the hospice. Often, hospice comes into the nursing home, so oh, a okay. resident may get hospice in the nursing home, and so we would. Similarly, if the resident, yeah, if the resident had a concern about what was going on with the hospice, we would try and resolve that problem with the hospice. By the way, it's a great service. I mean, I've never heard too many people object to that. Right. I, I, you know, it's a horrible time in somebody's life, and to help help them make uh, their last days uh, better. Uh, what about memory care units? Well, memory care units, nursing homes might have a memory care unit. Assisted livings may have a memory right. care unit. Even personal care homes, some of the bigger ones in particular, have memory care units. And they have s- s- certain rules about them, but they're still part of the facility. And so we have authority to go and talk with residents. And one thing I think family members don't always remember is even if your loved one has a diagnosis of dementia, they have times when they have clarity. They can say, and that's why even when a complainant calls and says, well, you can't talk to my mom because she has dementia, we'll still say, we're going to go talk to her because she might be able to tell us. I know what they, they tell us all the time from the law enforcement point of view. Normally, mornings are better than the, right, it's the sunset. Right, right, sundown. Sundown, sundown like right, sundown, sundown right. Yeah, yeah. And, and that you are and try to talk to the people in the morning and stuff. But but it's just one of the, the many things that, that, that we see. Uh, let me go back to, to some other types. I, I, I got off on that discharge since sure. it was the number one, but uh, we have heard a lot of issues about that when we talk to seniors. So what, what would be another example of people complaining? Frequently, people complain that they don't get care. They don't get response to their call light, so they're not getting the care when they need it. That's a very frequent complaint, and I think that's often due to not enough staff. And so in a nursing home in particular, they have to have enough staff, but there's no certain number. Like you don't have to have one CNA to every 10 residents, for example. It, it doesn't work that way. And But often that's the complaint we get. But we get that in assisted living and in personal care homes, right. too, that sometimes 
especially the bigger personal care homes, not so much the small ones, but that people aren't available or they don't respond quickly. Another complaint we get is that disrespect from the staff. So, you know, they don't, they don't, um, take precautions to protect the residents' privacy, for example, when they're giving care. Maybe they leave the door open, they leave the curtains open, going to get a shower, maybe they're not covered as well as they need to be covered. Or or the staff speak to them in a disrespectful way. And so, and we act on those complaints. The ombudsman representative would go and try and find out, you know, what exactly is happening. Is it happening to more than one individual? I, I, I see that from, from the abuse situation. As you know, our listeners know that we look at abuse in three general areas, physical, financial, and institutional. And in the institutional uh, area, um, it's the intimidation factor that a lot of people feel that they're – that. The staff is is just abusive in terms of intimidating the the patient. Is that something? I mean, it's kind of what we, you're saying, right? We get those complaints, and I have to say, often our folks in Georgia and in other states, to some extent, I think this is also the case. We do training for facility staff to to talk about. Um, Abuse for residents, and we'll talk more. Yeah, about we'll that. talk about all. We're about to end the third segment of the Safe Senior Hour, and we'll be back shortly. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me and i am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not so fun experience moving call timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience around town movers for that local or cross-country move timothy around town movers in my opinion are the best that's around town movers Call them. Merry Christmas. I'm Patty Levan, owner of Multiland Mortgage Services, Inc. We've partnered with nationally known wholesale lenders throughout the country that offer a wide variety of home loan programs. We can find the right home loan that will suit your financial needs. Multiland Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilandmortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers, NMLS 158-989, licensed in Georgia and Florida. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to uh, the last segment of the Safe Senior Hour with Joe Gavallis. And again, our, our very special guest, Melanie McNeil, the State of Georgia Long-Term Care Ombudsman. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks, Joe. And we've been having a really good discussion here for, for all you listeners out there of of the availability and and the scope of what the ombudsman's program does and it's in every state in the united states possibly in some other countries we heard that what was in taiwan or they're looking right. at uh-huh. it yep and um 
and and I'm sure other countries. And you know, if it is in your other countries, just uh, send in uh, to the station. You. Um, uh, and we'll be glad to uh, to get it back on the air because any way we can help people, we certainly will. We were just talking on the last segment on types of complaints here, and one was the improper discharge, and then the other was we were just getting into the 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 uh, possible, from my point of view, from the from the elder abuse side, intimidation of the of, of the patient by some of the staff members. And it might be, a, 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 you know, criminal, it might be civil, but it's certainly an issue that you d- deal with, correct? We do. In fact, our ombudsman representatives often will do in-service for facility staff about what abuse is and their responsibility to report abuse. We also talk to them about resident rights because often I think staff, while they might know what the resident rights are, they forget that, yes, I'm supposed to be responsive to this resident, and yes, I'm supposed to treat them with dignity and respect, even if, and we all know, sometimes, you know, there's somebody who just is a little bit disagreeable, hard to deal with, but you know what, that's their job, and they need to be professional, and we remind them, ombudsman representatives, when we do the in-service, that, you know, the residents are to be treated with dignity and respect. What I can also say, Joe, is, and I think this is true in all the states, you can contact the Ombudsman Program to get what we describe as aggregated data about complaints about a particular facility. Hmm. So if you if you have ABC Nursing Home in Atlanta, sure. we can look and see what kinds of complaints have we gotten. Now, we can't give you the specifics unless we have permission, and usually that's not the case. But we can tell you in the last two years we had Five complaints about the food, 15 complaints about involuntary discharge, 10 complaints about not enough wow. staff. We can tell, and I believe that's available in all the states. There's a way for you to get that kind of information. So as you're considering a facility, so if you're considering ABC mm-hmm. Nursing Home in Atlanta and you call us, we can give you a summary of what we've experienced over the last couple of years, and that might help you make a better choice. Sure. I, I would think all around the country as you sit and you because it is usually a family choice where you where you put uh, your loved one or where, where they have to go and to have that as I said information's power. The more right. you have the better it is right. to make your decision because you don't want to go ba- back and something that you hear about you could have prevented. Right, exactly. Well, and uh, quite honestly, for everyone across the country, too, as you have older loved ones, you might even want to just kind of talk to them about if you get to the place where you can't live at home, where would you like to live? And let's look and see what's available in our area. Experience changes from time to time, but if you have an idea ahead of time, Yes, a small personal care home might be better. No, a bigger personal care home. Or, you know, even looking at nursing homes in your area. And particularly if you if you live in an area that doesn't have a nursing home, you might want to just sort of scope out what's the closest one. And, and what kind of services do they provide? What kind of reputation do they have? So maybe you look in a different direction if you don't find one that looks like it would be a good one. Well, I, I think the trend and I think the, uh, the, the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution article, their investigation of the various facilities, that the new trend here is these mega-modern facilities where you have this fine dining and things like that. Right. But those are almost all private pay, aren't they? They are private pay. Anything that's licensed as assisted living in Georgia is private pay in some of the bigger personal care homes. I think this is probably true in other states as well. Those really fancy, nice assisted livings, while they look great and 
you know, for those of us who still, you know, like to go to the movies or like to do fine dining, they look really good. But you need to think about what's your loved ones need. And so, I mean, are they really going to use the theater? Or will they go to the movies? Are they going to enjoy fine dining? If not, maybe that's not the place for your loved one to go. Maybe, but maybe right. it isn't. Right, right. And, and the other thing I think we often think is with those very expensive assisted living facilities that they're going to be top-notch in every way. And sometimes they are. And sometimes they're not. So even though they're expensive, they may not have enough staff. So you want to ask, how many staff do you have in the evening and overnight? Are are there guidelines that, that somebody puts out, whether it's the federal government or the associations, of what is the guidelines per patient is, um, you know, that if you go and somebody says we have one to 18 or one to at night and one to and one to ten during the day or something like that. The, the ombudsman representative should know those rules in each state. So for here in Georgia, for example, there are staffing ratios for personal care homes and assisted living communities. Again, not in nursing homes. Are they homes. guidelines? Or are they, no, they, they're requirements. They wow. are requirements. Okay. There's a ratio. But all that to say, even though it's a requirement and facilities may try to do it, if someone calls out sick, for example, sure. they might be short-staffed. If that happens a lot, I mean, you want to know that. You want to know whether your loved one can expect good care. No, I, I think that's and that's a, a great way to, to look at it. And I think there, there are some... Um, but from the federal point of view, where you can, where they're rating, don't they rate nursing homes? Right. So you can go to Nursing Home Compare, which is on the Medicare.gov website, and that will tell you some things about the nursing homes. It will tell you what kind of stars they get, up to five stars for their care. But it, regardless of the facility, even if they have the highest rating, personal care, home assisted living, board and care, whatever it is, you should still go and visit. So walk into the building. How does it smell? How do the residents look? Do they look happy? Do the staff look happy? Does everybody look drugged? Because sometimes that's what you encounter. Right. You know, um, and go at different times. So maybe go one time during the week and go one time on the weekend. What we hear often is on the weekend, staff is shorter. And so there are more issues sometimes happen And, and also the is recommended go unannounced yes and uh go there during mealtime so you right. can see what they're having because sure. if your loved one complains about a meal and you never see it right. you know how do you know you know you're 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 just taking that person's word and and mm-hmm. and they're probably looking at a different different point of view sure in fact we do that if we get a complaint about food our ombudsman representatives will go at food t- at meal times at breakfast or at lunch or at dinner and see what is it Sometimes a facility will publish a menu, but that isn't what the residents get. They might get hot dogs or bologna sandwiches when they're supposed to get spaghetti or meatloaf or something else. Right, we saw that, and certainly in the um, in some of those uh, assisted living areas mm-hmm. where they have that, where they the, the marketing pitch, and that's what we're trying to get the market that the pitch might be marketing, not actually what happens. And I would say most places are fine places. Let's let's make that clear. We're not. Oh, sure. We're 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 just we're just showing when there is an issue who to call. Right. Get to the professional. Raise your concern, and they'll help you get to to the to the professional. Whether it would be potentially in Georgia healthcare facilities or 
all over the United States to be your law enforcement. I mean, people look at it when it when when there's a, a, a an issue, and and uh, especially with anybody talking about different issues like sexual abuse or things like that, please get that off your chest and tell somebody. You know that there's a concern might not be happening, but they can do a lot of things. Right. Um, as we're we're uh, as we're coming to an end of, of, of this session uh, about legislation on the federal or state level, are you aware of anything that's trying to pending to help some of these uh, situations? Or? Sure. Well, on the federal level, a bill was just introduced last week to prohibit pre-dispute arbitration in nursing homes. That's been an issue a lot for a long time for families and nursing home residents. Whether it will pass or not, I don't know. But Tell everybody what that means in everyday English. Sure. Well, so when you go into a facility, they'll ask you to sign an agreement that says rather than suing the facility, if there's right. a, a real issue, you must go to arbitration. And this is before the issue has arisen. Quite often, you or I, Joe, might decide that, well, we've got a problem, and so we will elect arbitration. Right. But this is after the problem has happened. Right. So uh, that's something at the federal level. At the state level, what we're hoping to do is raise the fines for personal care homes and assisted livings when they do things incorrectly. So in the HEC article, they mentioned that uh, some facilities have been cited for having the water too hot. And in one instance, they mentioned a resident who was scalded on their leg right. and eventually died. Well, so the the maximum fine, if that's the first time you've done that as a facility, is $601. So you've caused serious harm or the death of a resident and you're charged $601, which just seems kind of ridiculous from a public policy uh, standpoint. Now, granted, you can't put the value on a life, life right. but $601, and it's been that way for years and years and years, just seems wrong. It's just a cost of business to, to a right. lot of facilities, and and you're dealing with, with loved ones. And, 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 and the biggest complaint I hear is, they just won't listen to us. Mm. That we try to tell the facilities they won't listen, they won't listen. And, you know, I, I think by going to somebody like yourself or a professional, um, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, healthcare facilities or police or whatever it is, you'll get their attention because people will try to do it as long as the patient allows it. Right, right? exactly, exactly. And so, again, just to sort of remind your listeners, the Ombudsman Program, we are not mandated reporters, and so we don't report if we don't have permission. Right. But one thing we might do is remind facilities, if they know something's happened, they are mandated reporters. And so we know not all of the abuse that should be reported is being reported, but the more we raise awareness among, especially among the listeners, so that they know they can then, you know, advocate on behalf of their loved one when things are going wrong, that it needs to be reported. I, I do know around around the country there are some discussions, state state or federal, uh, um, let potential legislation concerning uh, or the thought of it, uh, dealing with uh, cameras in the rooms and things. Right. Because when you see some of these cases go down, they, especially in the civil area, that the family had put a camera in a room and caught everything. Sometimes they caught the voice, and you get into a lot of issues with federal law. But a lot of people are looking at that, so that's another area of future legislation right. of what can be done at the state or, or federal level. Uh, I, I, I think it's a, um, you know, obviously 
they don't prevent crime they just catch crime that's what cameras mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. so um we can't thank you enough that's the end of this session thank you melanie for coming in and we hope to have you back and anything we can do to help let us know and you know and keep up the good work and have a uh a, a, a hopeful a successful uh chance on your legislation and i think anything we can do to help patients we should do it thanks joe it's been my pleasure thanks for having me great and that will conclude this segment of the safe senior hour remember elder abuse does not report itself you're listening to america's web radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com thank you for listening